Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It is uh, wonderful to be here today. Just giving you a warning, this thing is going to go flying at some point. Uh, don't be too shocked by that. Uh, my name is Barry Norris, spelled with an N. <clears throat> uh, my wife is Blanche. We are married 26 years. She's not with me today because at uh, the church we are associated with now and now meeting in Yorkville. Uh, we have an outdoor service today, and she has been working, mentoring, discipling a um, beautiful uh, lady named Anne Marie. And Anne Marie is, uh, you'll like this, as a Baptist church, being baptized in the river in uh, Plano today at an outdoor service. And it's probably already happened, so hallelujah to that. Uh, it's been a wonderful, wonderful story. We have three children. One is 24 and off on her own and uh, paying her own bills, and amen to that. Uh, she took me to the Cubs game and bought the tickets on Tuesday again. Another praise. Yeah, after the long prayer. Uh, so Shannon and Nicole Norris is there and doing wonderfully. Um, and two of our children are here, Jacqueline, known best like to be called Jackie, is now a freshman in high school, and Jordan is in eighth grade. Um, both were adopted from China, and they're wonderful kids, uh, just wonderful wonder they are my kids, and they're mother's kids, and they're just a blessing in our life. All my children, just to give you who I am, have gone to Aurora Christian, and these two uh, ten are there today, and they usually are out of the principal's office, not in too much trouble. <laughs> um, you had a guest pastor here and his wife from Africa in the spring. They are great friends of mine, Andy and Heather Sullivan. I am, as of in April now, the chairman of the board for the organization called Zima, Zion Evangelical Zima Ministries Africa. and. Uh, it's a long story, but some of my Park Place Baptist friends know that I landed there uh, a few years ago, and they're just wonderful, powerful ministers of the Word, and I see their card up on your map in the back, and it's just a blessing to me. Can I pray before I start this message? Because it, there's no nighttime service, and the NFL hasn't started so I thought I had all day, right? Kids, so five o'clock, huh? Chick-fil-A is not open on Sunday, so we're not. All right, let's pray. God, I, I heard wonderful prayers being lifted up here, and it reminded me that Jesus said that his Father's house will be a house of not music, not preaching, but prayer. And so we pray. I ask that you would be in this message for all of our lives, because it's usually me who is changed by these things. I thank you for this opportunity to stand in a pulpit of the church anywhere, but especially here. There are friends here in the crowd and the pastor's couple, pastoral couple, are friends of mine. So I ask blessings on them, but all from the youngest to those who are not so young. May they hear this, and may they be changed by it. whatever 
I can't predict that. You know it. I pray blessings on this church from here forward that they truly, truly would love Jesus, your son, and this church would be vibrant in turning people to and toward Jesus so you, Lord, can do your wonderful, almost uh, hard-to-believe act that you do in all of our lives. We just thank you for this time here today. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I think outside, I don't know which direction, that's your front, right? There's this beautiful marquee sign out there. And it says on it, as a name, it says, New Hope Baptist. I'll stop there. New Hope Baptist. My goal here today, what's been on my heart, is that I jog each one of your memories, New Hope Baptist, about what it is to put the final word on that marquee. So, New Hope Baptist Church. Church. Okay? That's been on my mind. I want to encourage you. I've seen some encouraging things here today. God be praised. But I want to encourage you to be a genuine, authentic Christian church versus a church in name only. I have served in both. Both. And I've also stepped in and just visited. I've preached in all sorts of churches. And I'm pretty sure I can see the difference even in the people. Okay? To authentically and powerfully be able to say, New Hope Baptist Church with the emphasis on church, and there is a biblical meaning of that term. And I'm going to use these scriptures today to sort of help you, remind you, or introduce you to the fact the church comes from God, the world comes from God, we come from God, and all we own comes from God and His Son, Jesus Christ. That is why I'm here today. I'm sure of it. And so I want to begin offering a personal experience. I'm going to work towards this goal of getting you to see the church, but I want to inform you of some one, specifically my own experience. From 2007 to June 1st, 2014, seven years, I was called the lead pastor of a church that's only about two miles from here at most. It sits at 1144 South Lincoln Avenue, Montgomery, Illinois, and then it was referred to as Park Place Baptist Church. There are at least three people here who have attended a long time in that church. You may or may not know the church. That's okay. It's not so far from Dieter Lee's funeral home. But I can tell you, I believe that those here would tell you, that my wife and I poured ourselves into that church body for those seven years. I am a bivocational guy. I work at a place called Fermilab. But I've also been able to give up my time to many churches about of this size. This, this is, uh, I'm on the fourth church right now that I've been working with. When I started there in 2007, Carolyn, you will remember this, 
there was a need on my mind for the church to heal because they had lost a beloved pastor, Pastor Jan, years before that, and they really had never completely gone through the process of healing. There was uncertainty as the church, as pulpits were supplied without that man as he stayed alive for a while, and they expected him to come back, and yet he succumbed to death. There might have even been some misdirection from some quote-unquote pastors in that church. And they may have caused some division rather than assisting with a key term in any church body, unity. You know, at home, in your family, if you have a family, if you're not unified, you're in trouble. Men, husbands, if the wife isn't happy, quote-unquote, in the biblical sense, we're in trouble, right? Disunity is very harmful to all of us, and it happens in churches. There was a long period of time in that church where visitors did not walk through the door. I remember this clearly being told. Families with young kids had, with one or two exceptions, left the church. There are far more kids in front of me right now than there were at Park Place Baptist Church in 2007. There was actually a vision kind of assembly that my wife and I did for a while, and I remember the thing that was on the hearts of the people was, we want to see families again. We want to be a church of families, not just a church that someday closes its doors. <coughs> the church was in denial, I think, about its point in its life cycle, and so it was not an easy place to pastor. Yet God called myself and my wife Blanche there, clear as day, he did that. My negative things that I've just said is not to say that we didn't love the people well, most of them, or were loved by the people. And it's not to say that God wasn't evident, because God was in many different ways. In time, visitors began to visit again. They did. You have to meet the community. You have to get in the community. You have to do things that speak, not just with words and the Bible in the hand, but speak a servant's heart and say, Join us on this adventure. It's an adventure of a lifetime. And they, visitors came and they got younger and they began to see kids and couples and so forth. And one Sunday, a young, a young couple that had a young child, in fact, came to visit as I was preaching. And I took notice of them sitting in the far back pew. We had probably twice as many pews as you have here on two sides very large auditorium, and they sat over there where your soundboard is, right up against the wall, and that's as far as they went. They did not come further. I cannot remember if I even had an opportunity to shake their hand that day, but it was interesting that they returned. Quite uncommon. I see people come and go all the time. They're just checking out, and when you sit in the last pew, it's a sign you got a little bit of anxiety going on, not for those in the back today, but those who come fresh. I really want to be here, I think, but okay. They came again, and they came again. 
And they heard me not only preach, but they saw me with a Fender Stratocaster guitar leading worship with an amplifier singing hymns, as you do, and singing contemporary music, as you do, with this very traditional backdrop. It was confusing, as they told me later, yet they were very much attracted to it. And they stayed. Later, I got to know them pretty well, and I understood that they were on a journey from a new church home. Might have been hurt a little bit by a church. And then they walked around and went, the world calls it church hopping, but they were really focused on what it meant to be church. And getting to know them, there was one specific comment that has never, ever left my brain. And that's unusual, because a lot comes in and a lot goes out these days. The man of the household said one day while we were talking, I had to probably ask, why did you stay? I need to know why you stayed versus all these other people who come and then they go. It's on your sign out there today. We stayed because you preached Jesus. Understand that? We're not to be just Christ-focused and forget the Father and the Holy Spirit. But Christ has had the authority in heaven and on earth given to him. We stayed, Pastor Barry, because you preached Jesus the very day you showed up. We showed up. Guess what? If that doesn't come out of my mouth, they're not staying. And the rest of the story doesn't fit. Never happens. Seems in that statement that not every place where there's a building with a marquee outside that says something, something, something church is actually preaching Jesus. I've been there. I preached in it. My first pastorate was in a Presbyterian church. And I tell you, that was also a call of God because in that church, the gospel hadn't been preached in 20 years. 20 years, folks. You lose a generation or two and you're done. And just by the basics of the gospel message, people in that farm town that I was in began to gather under this word of God. If you're not a place, with, look, the church I'm involved in, we just got an offer to come into a Parkview Christian Academy in Yorkville to use their new facility as our church. But we've been meeting in a movie theater for two and a half years. So a church is not about a building, first of all. This thing, tornado could hit. We hope not. You still need to look at what it means to be a church. A church. What matters is the preaching and the teaching and the service into the community. And if not every building that you walk into in your life, later in life, kids, you walk into a church at a university setting or a new town and you go your way, and if Jesus isn't being preached or taught or salvation isn't being taught as the Bible says and the various fundamentals of the faith aren't there, get out. 
this young family had been experiencing the reality of the United States of America, which isn't so much a Christian nation at this point. New Hope Baptist Church, here's a question to you. Can you collectively use the name church as Jesus meant it to be used? Can you? Don't have to answer, but you should ponder it. Because churches have a life cycle. Everything does. And eventually, in the life cycle, you start to die. I am not judging New Hope. I don't even know much about New Hope. I'm just saying, if your ministry and your life and your people are not focused on Christ, you're done. Done. Way before you realize it. This is very important. So now I want to read some scripture. I want to read from the book of John. I'm going to read chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and this is where I begin to point out what I think is uh, the biblical perspective of why you can call yourself a church. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and then I will go from 9 through 14. I know I'm in a Southern Baptist church, and you often stand for the scriptures. You can feel free to do that as I read this. I'm going to read this. I am looking in the ESV. Here we go, and you can read with me. John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Wow, we could spend the rest of our lives studying that. Amen. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light, read this part with me. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness Right? Right. Nine. The true light, which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Now, verse 10, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Wow. Then we turn the chapter. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become what? Children, Children of God. Not an age thing. Father to child. You are children of God if you receive this person, this God. Children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the uh, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. I'll end that scripture. A reminder, or maybe a new fact for some here, the writer of this is not any old person. 
It's John. He's an apostle. He's one of those chosen 12 men. He is in the inner circle. And the scriptures, I think it's kind of humorous. The scriptures say that he is the most loved of Jesus, right? It's like if you don't think the Bible has a sense of humor or whatever, it's like, I'm the man, right? Kind of thing. And this John, who walked with Jesus for three years before the cross and many days after, after the resurrection, he was with him for three. He saw everything. While he's on the cross, the Son of God says, Hey, folks, take care of this lady, my mother. John sees all of that. He's part of all of that. And he sees the resurrection, walks for him for days, and then he watches the ascension. So these aren't any words that Barry Norris goes home and sits down and puts pen to paper. These are words of a witness of Jesus Christ. He was there. It's deep meaning in these words. We could spend, as I said, a long time studying it. All I want you to do today is let your heart hear it. Your heart hear it. From my mouth, where you can read it yourself, to your brain, to your heart, hear it. Again, I'll just read some verses. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. See, the Son of God is Jesus. And Jesus is known as the Logos, or it's the Word, right? It's a capital W. Like I went to the Cubs game the other day, you know, they have this W flag, right? Every time my neighbor, every time they win, if they win today, the flag goes up. They won yesterday, so her flag's up there with the U.S. flag. Diehard fan. That W is nothing compared to this W in the Word. This says, replace the word, the word, word, capital W-O-R-D, with the name Yeshua, Jesus. And in the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God, Father, Holy Spirit. And this Jesus was God. Put it today, is God. He always was. He's eternal. He always was. And he, Jesus, has always been there. This says God spoke words to create, Genesis 1.1. And Jesus was a part of the speaking. He was the speaker. Mm-hmm. Think about that. And when he comes to earth in human form, he's born of a virgin, he then speaks literal words and teachings and doing the disciple thing, and we study those words. Some Bibles have it in red ink. We study those words that God so inspired, or God had men, God breathed them into existence for our teaching, for our life, for our salvation and growth journey. So Jesus in this is the word. Don't miss that. He's still God. The flesh of Jesus, the humanity of him, died on the cross but the Spirit of God never died and will never die. He is eternal. He existed 
in the Alpha, and you will be there in the Omega, the beginning and the end. And he defined that as time and space and where we live inside of. But he is outside of all that in many senses. And what we are and who we see and where we live is created by him from nothing. And Jesus is the creator. You see, Buddha never was with God. I've been in China a few times. And uh, there's Buddha temples all over the place. Huge gold idols. Just like in the day of Moses. Muhammad wasn't there at Genesis 1-1. There's no religious character outside of Jesus who is there in the beginning. And there will be none in the end. None. Remember. Just take a minute and remember what John saw. So let's go back. John the Apostle. He saw miracles. You know a few? He walked on water. <laughs> Try that someday. He turned water into wine. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. Calm the wind and the seas. The list just goes absolutely on and on. In the end, he defeats death. And when he's not doing the miracles, he's walking up to people like my church now is called Jacob's Well. The lady at the well. She was at Jacob's Well. She's a Samaritan woman. And in his time, you weren't supposed to be a Jewish person and even communicate with that lady. She's a half-breed. And he spends a whole afternoon or whatever it is with her, and in the end, she comes to faith. She realizes in the end she has met the Messiah at Jacob's well. She was far, far, far from God. And she comes one day, and he enters her life. I can imagine that. You go to Jewel, and Jesus is in the me-isle. I don't know. Buying lamb. That's not in a script. I don't know. Hey, think you can get me some water? Right? Yesterday, we were at a festival in Yorkville from Jacob's Well. We give out water. And we just have Jacob's Well. No-name church. Well, we now have shirts that say church. And people are, like, confused. Who are you? Are you a well company? Gotcha. We're a church. This Jesus is not a regular guy. And when you lose track of that as a church, as a person, and then a church collectively, then you might as well erase the word church off of New Hope Baptist. So no wonder the young couple that I referenced stayed when they heard me preach Jesus so many years ago. I have no idea what I preached that day. I did that every day for seven years at that church. I have no idea. But it was grounded in biblical faith. I'm pretty sure of that. And so they heard it and they stayed because it was different from many other churches they had visited. Set. 9 through 14, I will reread. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. 
He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. They loved him one set of days before that. On Sunday, Hosanna, Hosanna, to crucify him. Largely a significant number of the same people may have done both actions. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name and gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the Son, only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So the word is Jesus. That's how this is being used here. And that same word, Yeshua, Jesus, is also called the light with a capital L. And that light is available to all. He is available to all. Andy and Heather Sullivan, missionaries to Africa, and any other of those missionaries are out there on the edge of whatever they're doing because he has made himself available to all. In the same way, I have stood in Africa and asked black Africans to come to America to preach what we've taught you as missionaries to the United States. Please come. Help our inner cities. Help our people. Because you get it. You are walking the walk. Now you're from America. Everybody's Christian. Everybody's perfect. Yeah. Except me. God is sovereign. He is in control. Do not forget that. He created the planets. And that eclipse you all stared at the other day and are now blinded by. He's sovereign, but man has a part. We aren't robots. We have a decision. Are we going to live the faith? And God gave us, I don't know, my theology is that he's fully sovereign and gave us free will. And it's something I can't completely explain. But I know that I make decisions when I sin that aren't from God. That I know. And I also know that somehow I came to faith. If you would have known me, you'd say, not him. And that's God at action. And I turned and said, yes, I believe. He's tugging at many in this church, I'll bet. Stirring at us, each one of us. Who will accept, who will not? So back to the question. What is a church and are you one? Let's review your name. Ooh, this is fun. See, I'm the guest guy, and before you lynch me, I, I will drive out really quickly. I love the word new, the phrase new hope. It's powerful meaning. It is. What is the gospel other than new hope, new life, new, different God's ways? It's right there in John's letter. What I just wrote, read in John 1 is about hope. In the beginning was the hope, and the hope was with God, and the hope is, was, always, has been God. Mm -hmm. It's hope for our wretched lives. 
But that name doesn't make you a church. Next word is dangerous for me to tread on. Baptist. I have been trained at a Baptist seminary. Very close to Southern Baptist Center. I went to Liberty University. And I also have Presbyterian training. That's a strange way I got there. My comment, though, is that just because you're a Baptist, see, we Baptists think we, we have the market on salvation and how everything reads in the Bible. I know this for sure. We think we got a corner, and I, I'm just here to correct the notion it's not true. So, because I can take you to Baptist churches that aren't preaching Jesus. Okay? I can take you to them in Aurora. So, Baptist doesn't make you a church. Which is why I started this out with this, leaving the word church off and demanding New Hope Baptist. New Hope Baptist Church Church begins with a body of people, two or more, it's said, who gather together and they do it frequently. And they have said, I do to this offer of, it's an offer of grace. It's just an offer of, of a merciful God who sits by a lady at a well and said, yeah, I know I'm not supposed to hang out with you. We're not even supposed to be conversing, but you are. And someday, your people group will get to worship like the Jews do. And by the way, it's happening right now. God steps up and in his own way offers mercy to that lady and bathes her in grace. And she runs off completely changed. Folks, I was the most self-centered career-driven engineering mindset you've ever met. And then a lady named Blanche walked in my life who was just saved herself. And God took the one person in my life away who I was following it was my father who wasn't a believer. Died of a massive heart attack. Age 56. Who was left standing next to me? Blanche Lee. Her name is now Norris. And I am now a follower of Christ. Amen. And by the grace of God, so are all three of our children. Amen. Out of nowhere, he sat next to me through another person. That works in your life, too. And you won't even know you're a part of it. On either side of the coin. So church has to have accepted this grace and this mercy that covers each one of us. Every individual goes through this. It's a personal decision. It is. How it happens in group or other, that's a different thing. And then the church is a body of believers that come together and they serve. And in our world, we put names on our church type. Right? It says, but 
To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So you must have a body of people who have believed in his name, for then you are, it says, children of God. I pray you're all children of God, and if you're not, please pay attention. And when there are children of God, then by definition, God lives among you, and that's the difference. That's the difference, right? You can put the name church on your marquee, but you go into a church a week, two weeks, a month, and you will figure out if God is... God is everywhere. But you can figure out if God is a living God doing a work inside of that group of people. And when there's a collective body of people serving the Lord together in unison, then Jesus gets to declare you a church. Notice I said the word or phrase, serving the Lord. See, the church hears the word for sure. They study it. I witnessed the Bible study or a study going on right here for ladies, I think, earlier today. They listen to it. They lay it up against their collective lives. But more than that, a church must be serving its community. A church must be serving the world in the manner Jesus spoke right before the resurrection. Just remind yourselves of what Matthew 28 says. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It's probably behind me, or about to be. And it says, and Jesus came to them. He's about to go up. He's already risen from the grave. He's walked the earth. He appeared to them all. Thomas did the doubting thing. They all did their thing. The men totally confused. The women get it. I don't know. There's a statement, man. Okay. And Jesus kind of said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to the pastor of the local church. No. To him. Amen. Jesus. So this is the role of Jesus. All authority. So all authority there and all authority here. And he says, in the ESV, it says, Go therefore... And make disciples of absolutely all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You have Baptists in your name. I suppose you're doing that. Okay. And teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. That's key. And I am with you always to the end of the age. If you are collectively doing these things in Matthew 28, then you can, quote-unquote, proudly declare yourself a church. If you're not, get down on your knees. Jesus is telling every single body out there, not just those apostles at that time and, and the group of probably close to 100 people, you must go to the neighbors and disciple Who's your neighbor? Anyone you rub shoulders with. Your hated boss is your neighbor. Geek. Oh. Right. You must disciple, disciple, disciple. It says, go therefore and what? Make disciples. 
And disciple is a process of growth. It's a true follower of Jesus Christ. And it goes beyond just the saving moment. The saving moment is the greatest day in that person's life. And it goes beyond. And you must baptize new believers who cross your path. Offer that. Make it clear what it represents and so on. But don't miss this. And I think this is where churches really fall. Because we're, we've washed everything down in the United States of America. And everything is politically correct. Okay? Which is really what's wrong with society. You must teach each other and hold each other accountable and observe all that I have commanded you. It's a hard path. You just love being a pastor of a church when there's a discipline problem. Ugh, here we go. But scripture says this is what we do. So you must not just teach, right? But it's the teaching of obedience to the commandments of God. And, the, and the, the highest commandments are to love your Lord your God with absolutely everything you are and love your neighbor as yourself. Start right there. You can do those things. Whew. Love covers a multitude of sin. Jesus teaches hard truth in this, and a lot of it. Yet, as I know, and I've read, and I see, he always did it with a genuine heart and always with mercy and grace. Except, ironically, to those religious leaders. Sadducees, it's called, and Pharisees, Pharisaical laws, they made up their own laws. We had a study once at Park Place Baptist Church where my wife created this thing that were like 660 Pharisaical laws that stretch everything. And you know, you, you can't drink wine. So they would take it in. You can't drink wine on Sunday when the Bears are playing without the rookie quarterback behind and he's just handing the ball off. Then you can't drink wine. And they just made up these things, right? Just, that's pharisaical. And Jesus hammered on them. You're stretching what the Word says. <laughs> yeah, problem with that. And I suspect in many of the churches he has a real problem today. So I'll enter towards starting to close. I'm going to let you out early. I was going for five. <laughs> Feels like five right now. My church has been meeting at nine o'clock. And I've set up and take down at seven in the morning. So this is, wow, refreshing. That couple I told you about at Park Place Baptist Church, they stayed that day, and although I left June 1st of 2014, they remained to stay. They continued to be committed to the people of the church and uh, were on their own journey. And they were, they were committed to serving in their community. They lived, or I think still live, in Boulder Hill. Now they are committed to you. This couple is Dylan and Nina Evans. God then sent them my way. And I am the man who had the wonderful pleasure of mentoring Dylan Evans. 
and uh, <laughs> I was pretty hard on him because this is not just for show or it's not for everybody. And uh, Dylan began teaching in Wednesday night classes and, and leading prayer groups and stuff at Park Place Baptist Church. And then we gave him an opportunity to teach from the pulpit. And the rest of the story is true. And, and uh, came to life that he came to Park Place because he thought that there was a call on his life. That another group of leaders said, no, there's not. Um, and God uses you at the right time in the right place. And I don't, I don't like to use the word luck, but, but the sovereign hand of God, I preached Jesus and probably pretty hard that day. Um, I'm not a fire and brimstone preacher, but I stick to the basics. So he just came looking for a place for his family to worship. That's why he was there. And when he left, seven or eight, or uh, six years later, I think, he knew that the call on God for him to preach and being involved in church ministry was not only real, but the real call was for him to teach the world about Jesus Christ the only begotten son. And to serve in his name as a under-shepherd. And a few months ago, I was here and I watched you guys and the ordination service. One of the proudest moments of my God is so good. Your name is New Hope Baptist Church. <laughs> Make sure the church in the name stands for lovers of God and servants of Jesus. Can I pray? Father, I thank you for this opportunity. But I really thank you for Dylan and Nina, Gabriella, for their dedication to the work of, of the kingdom. I know this place is on their heart, and they love the people here. Lord, I pray for New Hope Baptist. There is such a need for a church that will serve this community in the east side of Aurora, on this area, probably touching Oswego, certainly touching Montgomery, wherever else in the world being touched. I know my friends Andy and Heather were blown away here by the love that was shown to them a few months back. I pray that each one of them would take your work into their hearts, not just from their minds or separate from their busy lives, but Lord, I pray that maybe something here today changes them even if they are on a great journey for God, for you. 
Let all who hear your word come to your Son as Savior. And may all of those who come serve you, the Almighty God. And I pray this in your name. Amen.